0: Listener-supported, WNYC Studios. I'm Alec Baldwin, and this is Here's the Thing from WNYC Radio. Billy Joel's fans have gotten to know him quite well over the past four decades. Don't go changing to try and please me. You never let me down before. From the open-hearted declarations of old-fashioned love in She's Got a Way and Just the Way You Are to the hard-rocking social commentaries We Didn't Start the Fire and Allentown. If, like me, you grew up listening to Billy Joel's music, you can chart phases of your life by each of his albums. Maybe that's because Billy Joel's songs are so passionately connected to who he was at the time he wrote them.
1: Hello, hello. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three.
0: And when you're actually sitting in the same room as him with a piano nearby, well, you can't help yourself. Play me something, if you don't mind, because your fans would demand that. I just mean, always remember you said that to me years ago. How predictable it was, wherever you were, that there was a piano. People were always like Billy. Could you? Uh, huh? Do you mind? Right, we, just a couple of songs. Right, uh, it's for his, the It's his birthday, you know. It's Christmas, <laughs> and uh, we were wondering if you could play. Right. There it is. It's uh, and it's tuned. Hello? We just had it tuned. We just just for you. are such fans, yeah. you don't mind, right? And th- 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 that's your life, right? Yeah, yeah. That's your life. Yes.
1: But it's, it's, you know, it's fun. Uh, I, you can't have act-alongs. You're an actor. You can't act-along. No. But you can have sing-alongs. I can always sit down at a party, play the piano, and everybody starts singing. I go to a pub in England. Hey, right, come on, Billy, give us a couple of songs. Come on, there you go. Yeah, it's uptown girl. Up to, to, and they all sit around and they sing. And everybody has a blast. It's fun. It's,
0: it, it creates a community instantly. Billy Joel is the third best-selling solo artist of all time in the United States. He sold more records than The Stones, Bruce Springsteen, and Madonna. But he admits there's still room for improvement. I know what good piano playing is, and I'm not good. My left hand is lame. (laughs) I'm a
1: two-finger left-hand piano player. As opposed opposed to? As opposed to somebody who knows what they're doing with their left hand. I never practiced enough to use all my fingers on my left hand, so I just play octaves, bass notes. My right hand tries to compensate for my left hand being so gimpy. So I overplay on my right hand. My technique is horrible. I can't read music.
0: I never really got... You gotten, don't read music? I used to, but I don't anymore. I forgot how. So if I took a piece of music that you didn't know, if I got a score... I wouldn't. And not, I put it in front of you and said, play this, you would not... It be would able, be Chinese. It would be Chinese to you. Yeah, I don't know. How did that happen? It's like a language. If you stop speaking it often enough, you can't forget. When that? did you stop and it why? There's
1: Dances with Wolves. She forgot how to Where? speak English. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Uh, stand up with fist...
0: Yeah. That's it. You are Favor's right hand, they call you. Favor's right hand. Favor's right be... hand. The, the tribe told you that the music <laughs> school there at the reservation. Yes. I started taking
1: lessons when I was about four or five, and I went up till I was about 16. So it was uh, almost 12 years of, of classical piano lessons. I loved it, but I just, when you become a teenager, everything changes. I didn't want to read other people's dots anymore. Mm-hmm. And I also realized early on, I'm not going to be a concert pianist. I don't have the, the Rachmaninoff hands, the Horowitz hands. I had strong
0: hands, but the short fingers. You were Johnny Friendly's hands. Who's Johnny Friendly? From On the waterfront. Oh, you okay. You were a Union boss doing the shape-up down at the Dock in Hoboken. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, you're not. He was my brother. Huh? Right. You shouldn't have taken better care of me, Charlie. Yeah, you shouldn't have looked
1: down for me, Charlie. Just a little bit. A little bit. I know. Uh, so what did I get? A one-way ticket to Palookaville. <laughs> Uh, I'm a bum, Charlie, let's face it. That's what I am. That's what I am.
0: That's what My I am. My favorite line is when Gerard Tiger's is laying there and, and, he, and he says, Whatever you do, don't leave him like this. I'm going to take it out on the skulls. <laughs> <He> <laughs> skulls. Says, <laughs> six different consonants. Yeah. Skulls. Skulls. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a kid and you i, I, you, I, I you, but, but, but was there an intimation in your household there was a classical piano. music right my father classical was music yeah
1: he was a classically pain, uh, trained pianist he grew up in nuremberg germany and uh he also went to school in switzerland his father was quite well off they had a mail-order textile business joel macht fabric so he had to learn uh, to play the piano it was a very musical family he could play Chopin, he could play all the great stuff. He should have become a musician. He became an engineer, he worked for GE, and then he was in promotion. But He was never really happy because he didn't become a musician. We had an old upright piano in the house, a Lester piano, a real piece of junk, and I happened to inherit that thing. It ended up being a planter in the garden. My mom used it to, to grow a honeysuckle. She sang, her family were all singing, uh, Gilbert and Sullivan, English music hall people. Her family was English. So I grew up in a a very musical home. I heard music all the time. My father was playing. My mother would sing. Radio was always on listening to Milton Cross and uh, the opera on Sunday. Leonora enters wearing a white gown. (laughs) So I, I used to bang on the piano. My mom got sick of hearing me bang, and she dragged me down the street, and I started taking lessons,
0: and I took to it. You and the Lester and your mother and your father, where is this? The Bronx? This is in Hicksville. So they, everybody was in Hicksville, by the way. We then.
1: were in Hicksville. I, um, my family moved with me out of the Bronx when I was a, a baby. I think right. I maybe a year old. So even. you basically grew up on the, on the island. I grew up on the island in the Levittown right. section of Hicksville. Right. We had a, um, a Levitt house, you know, sure. in Cape Cod sure. on the Quarter Acre. Everybody's house looked the same, started out looking the same. Right. Now
0: it doesn't look anything like Levertown. Right, Like my town, yeah. 16 years old, Hicksville, Long Island, yeah. Vietnam War going on, Yes, you know, very, very tumultuous times. And all of a sudden, what do you decide you wanna do? Well, I joined a band when I was uh, 14.
1: I was asked to be in a band. The Echoes? This was the Echoes, right. garage band. Well guitars, because there really were no keyboards that you could amplify. I played the piano. I never played the organ. Finally figured out how to um, amplify keyboards. I think the Dave Clark Five was the first band that had a, a, an organ you could hear, a Vox organ. It was cool.
0: I'm in pieces, bits and pieces, and I'm, I'm feeling, boom, boom, glad all along. Oh, it's the yeah. most unglad yeah. sounding yeah. song in the world. He was constipated. <laughs> <laughs> you see about that. Yeah. So you amplify the keyboard.
1: We got an organ, and, I, and I, uh, I was the, they decided I had the best voice in the band, which isn't really saying much because nobody could sing all that well in the band. We couldn't even harmonize. We we're very bad singers, but I, they decided, you got the best voice, you'll sing the songs. Okay. How did you feel about that? I felt a little funny about it because I'm not a front man. Uh, where you stand with the mic, like Mick Jagger. I didn't have the Mick Jagger moves. Right. I had a keyboard. You're kind of locked in. You can't move around. You can't carry a keyboard around when you unless you're an accordion player, and that right. looks like Lawrence right. Welk. Avon, then, too. So I stood at the piano, or I sat at the piano. And, uh, but then I realized, you know, that girl I always had a crush on is actually looking at me. She never looked at me twice. Uh, all those years in school, and uh, we're playing at the Holy Family Church, the church dance. I was about 15. 16. Virginia is looking at me. You know, come out Virginia, that Virginia. She's looking up. I said, my my God, she's looking at me. And the band sounded great. I love what I was doing. The crowd went yay when we finished every song. And at the end of the night, the priest gave us each $15, which in 1965 was $1,500. That was it. The door locked behind me. This is what I'm going to do. I don't want to go to Carnegie Hall anymore.
0: And I ended up going to Carnegie Hall anyway. And what what music were you performing? Covers of other people? Jukebox bands. We were playing early Beatles, Stones, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. And during that time when you're seeing Tommy James and the Shandells and all that music, who were you saying to yourself, if at all, were you saying, that's who I want to be? That's who I really admire or look up to or I think I want to have his career? Well, I liked a lot of different kind of music. I already came out of a classical
1: background and I really dug jazz when I was in my early teens. Dave Brubeck, Oscar Peterson, Art Tatum, Jimmy Smith, Bill Evans—I loved jazz. Yeah. Uh, but I realized I ain't gonna be one of those guys either. Why? Um, because I wasn't a good enough pianist. I mean, these guys are as virtuosic,
0: virtuistic, whatever. Virtuosic. It is, virtuosic as the classical. Virtuosic top, as a religion. Top. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, as a religion. No, I'm kidding. Oh. They're good. <laughs> It good.
1: They're just really good. I mean, the top-of-the-line guys are the top-of-the-line in classical and jazz. They could have gone either way. The, the, the top-of-the-line classical guys, how they decided to be jazz guys, could have been just as good as the top jazz guys and vice versa. I wasn't good enough. I was good enough to play rock and roll and pop. But I, what I really fell in love with as a teenager with girls and stuff was, first, I liked soul music. James Brown, right. Wilson Pickett, Otis Redding, The Temptations, Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson, Gladys Knight. I mean, I just loved so. Did you cover that music Marvin, as well? I tried to. Uh, you know, they I didn't wanted, want that in Hicksville? Well, it was all, you know, they were, they were, they were all white people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and there weren't Long any, Island white there people. There wasn't anybody but white people in yeah. my, my school. <clears throat> yeah. I think there were a couple of Jews, some Latinos. It was sprinklings. Yeah. But oh, everybody was white. But everybody liked soul music. Twist and Shout. what Everybody would do, come on now, shout, come on now. Yeah. Um And Louis, Louis, I think that was the Kingsman. What I say, Ray Charles, see the girl all dressed in green. And you'd make up really dirty words to that. Sure. We came up with some really good stuff. So I loved that stuff. And then the Beatles came around. And there it was boom. Four working class guys from Liverpool, right. which is as close to Levittown in England, I think, it's sounding anyway. Yeah. They, okay, four guys from Liverpool. I never thought mean? of that.
0: Levittown is Levertown, our Liverpool.
1: Yeah, Liverpool. Uh, and uh, I said, it's possible. It's possible. They don't look like Frankie Avalon. They don't look like um, Bobby Rydell. They look like four working class guys from anywhere. They could be from Hicksville. They could be from Levittown. Mm-hmm. So I said, that's, that's possible. That's what I want to do. I want to write my own songs. I want to play in my own band, do our own arrangements, and make our own way. Um, when did that start? This is before the Echoes. Before? Before I joined the band. The Beatles came out. So you were a kid. I was a kid. I was... And you started writing music? Yes. I started writing Erzatz Beatles songs. Oh, did you? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I climbed the highest mountain. Yeah.
0: And I. I want to hold your purse. Like that. Yeah. I want to hold your purse.
1: Yeah. Trying to sound Liverpoolian. Liverpoodlian. Liverpoodlian. Yeah. You know? She do not love me like before. My own song. She don't love me anymore. I believed all the lies she told me. Ah, ah. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, Trying to sound like the early Beatles. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But I I, I was asked to join a band after the Beatles came out. Now, you got to remember, November of 63, John F. Kennedy is assassinated. The country goes into the dumps. Even though we didn't know that much about politics government—he was our guy. He was the young, vigorous, progressive. He represented youth and vigor, and he was boom. He was shot, taken away. Everybody just turned off, like a switch turned off. We became very cynical, depressed. The whole nation had the blues. February of '64. Who comes out? The Beatles come to America. Right. We took them in. We yeah. just embraced like oxygen. that. They walked into that space. Hopeful,
0: funny. It was, they were warm, sexy. Your our guys, yes, everything. Everything, everything that was party. taken away from
1: us, great, let's go have a party. Let's
0: party. Yep. So you start writing songs and you're saying Ersatz Beatles songs. What's the first song you write that you can remember? Uh, it was called My Journey's End. Right. I, what, I could play it if you want me to. Let's hear it. Will i
1: climb the highest mountain Swim the deepest sea. If I knew you were there at my journey's end, waiting for me, waiting well, for I can tell how much that you love me. Waiting By for me. the letters that you send, journey's end. I'd go anywhere. And if Journey. I knew you were waiting there at my journey's end, that's
0: how. <laughs> What's the first song you wrote? A so, what's the first song, which was one that you wrote, that, that you recorded? What's the first song you well, wrote? That was it. That you, okay, you recorded I, that I on actually what? recorded that with the Yekos, my first band. I wrote that song. You guys sold records? No. We didn't
1: what, sell what, what, record. What's
0: the first song you wrote? Don't even tell me. Just play it. The first song you wrote that was on a record that you sold. Can you remember? Well, it was probably in the Hassles. The apparently. Hassles sold records? A few on Long Island, probably
1: right. maybe Jersey.
0: Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> we went <laughs> on the turnpike overseas yeah, you know? at the Woodrow
1: Wilson rest stop. <laughs> we, yes, uh, I think it was the coffee, uh, chock full of nuts in Paramus because <laughs> we opened it. We yeah. Hassel's yeah. played at the opening. Um, the, uh, the first time I s- we sold anything. See, I was signed originally with the Echoes to Mercury Records, and uh, we changed the name to the Lost Souls. With the Lost Souls for a while. We made a couple of records. Nothing ever happened. Uh, What was the other one? Uh, She she don't love me like before. She don't love me anymore. I believed all the lies she told me. Don't you know it's true that she stole me away from my true love. And now my new love doesn't love me anymore. Almost like Mr. Moonlight. Yeah, it's like the Beatles. Um. And then we became the Lost Souls. Then it turns out there was an English band called the Lost Souls. So we had to change our name. So the president of Mercury Records, brilliant guy at the time, said, okay, we're going to give you a new name, the Commandos. Right. Vietnam was sure. at the time. Yeah. You're going to be the Commandos. Ugh, we hate that name. Nobody likes... You know, War. Yeah, nobody <laughs> likes that stuff. Right. Uh, no, you're going to be the Commandos. It's going to be great, and we're going to get you outfits. And So that lasted uh, about 15 minutes. And we got dumped off the label.
0: So it's Echoes, Hassles. Echoes,
1: Lost Souls. Lost Souls. And then commando Commandos. For a the, weekend. For a weekend. They opened up one quick chock full of nuts. And then I, uh, there was a band on Long Island which was making a lot of local noise called the Hassles. They asked me to join. The guys in my band, or the Echoes, Lost Souls, Commandos, whatever, they were all going on to either the military or college. None of them were really seriously going to be musicians except the bass player. And... I, I said, I'll join, all right, I'll join the Hassles. They wanted me to play organ. I'll join the, if I can bring my bass player with me, because they didn't have a bass player. They said, okay. So that became the Hassles. And then there was another guy, he got a lot of Mick Jagger moves. Little John, his name was. <laughs> Little John. front guy, great hair, good-looking guy. Couldn't sing to save his ass. Didn't matter. You can he, wiggle it, man. He was gorgeous, and women just went nuts. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, I'm in the back the doing all the were singing. deaf. Well, they, but they had eyes, you know. <laughs> they, they could see. They could see the music. So, <laughs> Video killed the radio stuff. Oh, absolutely. Glad I came up in an era where it wasn't that prevalent. Exactly. So then I, I was in the Hassles. Now, the Hassles were a band, Blue White Soul band. Uh, there were a, a bunch of them. The Vagrants was another one. Uh, they used to play at the Action House all the time on Long Island. We made two albums with United Artists, and they both bombed out. But that's the first time we started selling anything. Every step I take was the first song that i wrote that actually sold something that was the vamp everything i do i don't know the chorus went every step i take every move i make i know i'm trying to a knife without you I turn, I run, I hide. Really bad lyrics. When I know deep inside, a part of me
0: has died. Yeah, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you sound like Popeye. Yeah.
1: I didn't know you wrote that. That's great. That's how my father used to start. <laughs> it sounded like Popeye. Um, yeah, so that was probably the first thing that sold. It was on the first Hassles album. I think we sold, I don't know, a dozen copies. And I actually heard it on the radio once. And um, But our big single was actually a cover of a Sam and Dave record. Um, you Got Me Humming. You got me humming. It was a big song by Sam and Dave. Everybody was covering soul records and doing them psychedelic or doing their own arrangements of them. That was the Hassles hit. First album was horrible. The second album was really horrible. And then me and the drummer split off from the Hassles to form a power duo. Yeah. Like uh yeah. I, I played Simon it. and Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, we were gonna destroy the world with amplification. Yeah. This was like the heavy metal thing. We heard Zeppelin. It blew our mind. Iron Butterfly.
0: Uh- uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. an Inagada Diva, honey, don't you know that I love you? Yep. Yeah. it Went on and on and on we tried but why to be... were we listening to that <laughs> because that's what there in was in the garden of Eden isn't that what someone said it was, the, was that was like a nonsense lyric a friend of mine knows the guy that wrote that song I think he, I think he was trying to say in the garden of Eden you actually know the lyrics to it in the garden of Eden.
1: yeah that's all I know in the
0: garden of Eden. I don't De... remember the rest of them I remember he explained to me once at a party in LA years ago that they really meant in the in garden of Eden in the garden of Eden in the garden of Eden in oh, the okay. it, it oh, became in a garden of Eden. he made a gibberish version
1: of so it so they're bailout lyrics okay yeah
0: I didn't so, know when, so when you get to the, the this point where you say couple albums, the hassles, and then when is it you? Well, it changed. Well, happens? I, the bands got smaller and smaller and smaller. The uh, Attila became a
1: two man band. So, uh, so
0: when you, you and he went off, we went off. Was
1: Attila was the two of you. Attila was just the two of and us. What did he play? He played drums. Drums. I played Hammond organ. Wired. Directly through amps, So we're getting cars. closer to Lawrence Welk now the more we go. It's getting closer. What? You almost got that accordion. But it was louder. Yeah. It was much yeah. louder. And we got signed to Epic. And we were on Epic for one album, and it was a colossal failure. We played one gig. I think it was on Ungano's on the west side in Manhattan. <laughs> and people went fleeing from the place. We were so loud. You could see blood coming out of people's <laughs> ears. <laughs> it was <laughs> horrible. Thank God it didn't happen because I would have screamed myself out of the, right out of the business. So after you nearly kill a room full of people at Ungano, yes. then what happens? Then the, we broke up and I decided, I no longer want to be a rock and roll star. I uh, got that out of my, got that out of my system. I was about 19 or 20. I want to write songs now. I, I'd like to explore a little bit of folk music. And what did you start to write? I started to write the songs that are on an album called Cold Spring
0: Harbor. Right, so give, 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 me, give me an example, one of the earliest ones you remember writing.
1: Maybe all the lights are turned on you. Now you're in the center of the stage. Everything revolves on what you do. Now oh, you were in your prime, you've come of age. And you can always have your way somehow. Because everybody loves you now. It's kind of Dylan-esque. You know, <laughs> I, wanted to, I, I wanted to go down, play in the village. Actually, I didn't even want to play anymore. Just I wanted, you. Just me. With you and the piano. Well, I got a band to play this stuff with me, but I, I'm picturing it on guitar. Maybe
0: all the lights are turn on you. Now <laughs> ah, you're in the center of the stage. Everything revolves on what you do. Ah, you're in your prime, you've come age. <laughs> Did you send him that song to record?
1: I wanted him to, but Bob writes his own stuff. He's not going to do covers. He doesn't buy songs from other people. No, he does not. And he does very well with his own writing. Right, of course. But um, I no longer wanted to be the guy on stage. I wanted to be the guy behind the scenes. Kind of a Jimmy Webb kind of thing. This just happened to coincide with the era of the singer-songwriter. Harry Chapin, Jim Croce, James Taylor Taylor. was huge at the time. yeah. Jackson um, Brown. Jackson Brown. All these singer songwriters. Even Carol King, who was a great songwriter, became a singer songwriter. Sure. So the advice I got was well, you want people to hear these songs. Why don't you make your own album? Okay. I got a record deal. And then I got traded to a record company on the West Coast called Family Records. Was a guy named Artie Rip. Perfect name. I was, like, <laughs> I was like Pinocchio. You know, I fell in with the, uh, you know, hi, diddly d, an actor's life for me. <laughs> with those people. And I, I recorded an album in, in L.A. I lived in L.A. for a little while. Uh, they said, okay, you made the album. Now Now you've got an album. You need to promote it. You need to go on the road and play and promote the album. I said, oh, okay. It's a, kind of a strange way to be a songwriter, but that's what other people were doing. But, you know, Other people would be interested in my material if I promoted it, promote the album, they'll hear it. Well, the album was <laughs> mastered at the wrong speed. So a, a song like this... She's got a way about her. I don't know what it is, but I know that I can't live without her. Got Matt played like this. She's got a way about her. I don't know what it is, but I know that I can't live without her. So if you hear that recording, I sound like the Chipmunks. Well. Speed it was speeded up. Kind of, yeah. Oh, right. it's terrible. Kind of. The album never went anywhere. Nothing happened. And uh, I went on the road, and I promoted it,
0: and never saw it in the stores. Uh, But that was when I was me. That was just Billy Joel. So when when people buy that album, that album's been re-released where it's not at that speed.
1: It's been remastered, but it's still, there's something wrong with it. It just doesn't sound right. I would advise people, don't buy it. If you can steal it, steal it.
0: So then, so Cold Spring Harbor is the first album. It's you. How many, you, you, and it's, it's how many band members? You? Uh,
1: guitar, bass, drums. Um, guitar, bass, and drums. And there was some violins that were put in by Artie Rip. And, you know, he was trying to be Phil Spector. It got all glopped up. It was supposed to be more of a folky album, You recorded you know? that in L.A.? Recorded it in L.A. How long were you in L.A.?
0: Three years. Well, what was that like for you? Weird. Yeah. Uh,
1: how? I went there, and... Um, I stayed on Santa Monica Boulevard. There's this dumpy little place called the Tropicana Motel. Right there on Santa Monica. Duke's, where the Duke's Coffee Duke's, Shop was. Duke's Coffee Shop. Yeah. They made the huge sandwiches for the poor sure. musicians. Sure, you used to have breakfast at Duke's. It was great. Yeah. You, you know, a buck you could eat like a king. Yeah. The place was a dump, but the postcards said the Tropicana and it had like a palm tree on it. So I sent postcards to all my friends.
0: I've yeah. made it. Yeah, I'm here. I'm in Hollywood it's at the It's all coming Tropicana. together. <laughs> yeah. I'm having omelets on Santa Monica Boulevard <laughs> for a dollar. I'm going to play my song at the Chipmunk Speed.
1: Well, if but it's me- all
0: going great. <laughs> yeah, if you're from Long Island, you get a postcard with a palm tree on it, it sure. says the Tropicana. It's
1: oh my god! Yeah,
0: he's made it. Yeah, because you and I are from the same background. Yes, I mean I'm from South Shore Long Island. When I when people would and I can see you're probably your friends you grew up with are probably like mine, where they probably get that postcard they like they're like Joey, come here, I got a postcard from Billy. He's at the Tropicana here. It's right, on oh, fucking believable. Right. Wow, he's on the beach with girls, like the Beach Boys. Yeah. He's driving cars. When he's I would make girls. movies, like my friends would be like, they say, let me ask you a question. When you do a love scene with a broad movie, like, do you ever get excited, like yourself, you know what I mean? Like, is it weird, you know, to make love to a woman in front of all them people? Can you pick who you make out with? Yeah. They're like, do, do you enjoy that? Is it fun? You mean the groupies out there? I'm like, no, it's not funny because it's 125 <laughs> people staring at you while you're doing it. like, oh, yeah, I
1: forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot. We got those questions. What's it like in the studio? I mean, you like a lot of drugs and girls and stuff. It's, yeah. No, you're actually in a factory. Yeah. And you're surrounded by equipment and you don't have time for that You don't have that, like
0: so. big fish tanks full of cocaine don't and don't have, everything? like chicks coming in with bikinis <laughs> and stuff from the beach? Rubbing your neck and shoulders while you're playing? Yeah, that's what it looks like in the movies. Yeah. Did you meet any movie stars? I'm <laughs> a musician. How am I going to meet movie Every night stars? you have dinner with who? All the big stars, right? <laughs> right? And a fish tank full of blow and <laughs> chicks in bikinis rubbing your shoulders, right? <laughs> That's Every day and night. That's what people think. Now, but, you know, uh, when you did, the, the, you did Cold Spring Harbor there, I did maybe I Cold Spring Harbor there. And did you do the next album out there? I did two uh, more albums LA? out there. So what did you do out there? Actually,
1: I got a job after I, I did the Cold Spring Harbor album. I dropped that aside. I had to get out of this horrible deal that I'd signed. I signed away everything, copyrights, publishing, record royalties, everything. My first child, I gave away it all, and I said, that i got to get out of this deal. And I hid in L.A., uh, and I worked in a piano bar under the name Bill Martin. This was down in the Wilshire District. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was not, it's not a real bar town, L.A. Uh,
0: you not. know, Long Island is a pub on every corner. Yeah. It's a pub culture. So when people close their eyes and they think of Piano Man, I think of a guy bending over, you know, leaning over a piano, and I think of a guy in a, in a place on Long Island or in New York. But you recorded that in Los Angeles. I recorded it in L.A., and that's where I worked. Some people think I did it for years. I worked in this piano
1: bar for six months. I needed to make some money. Right. I made Union scale. I get tips. Mostly play the, you know, major seventh chords.
0: good evening how you doing <laughs> but, but, but 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 how does piano man start right. <laughs> <laughs> that kind
1: of thing you know yeah. the guy in the hotel lot lobby <laughs> they would request songs i didn't even know the song can you play uh what's that uh hoagie carmichael's song stardust. Stardust. stardust and i would go oh, sure You play Misty, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was drinking pretty drunk, heavy, yeah. Because in a, in an L.A. bar, these were all people who lost at the track, losers. Oh. I just like drinking like yeah. fish, and I got free drinks. Oh my God!
0: But I mean, so then you do Piano Man. Then what's the next album after that? You do in L.A.
1: We did Piano Man in L.A. and there was an album. In, That wasn't a hit album. People perceived that to be a hit. It was not a hit. Piano Man. Piano Man was not a hit record. It was a turntable hit. In other words, it didn't sell through, but this is back in the early 70s. In those days, they still had FM progressive radio. Disc jockeys could spin whatever they wanted. W-L-I-R, Dennis McNamara. That's it.
0: Remember him? Yeah. I was a kid home. I was smoking, you know what, leaning out the window so my mom didn't know, and on the radio, we'd hear, W-L-I-R, this is Dennis McNamara, Jackson Brown. I listened to this guy. He, he was my childhood. Dennis well, McNamara. We grew up with these disc
1: jockeys at night. Allison Steele. Allison The Steele. Nightbird. Mm-hmm. Roscoe. Zachary was a Vince disjockey. Skelsa. Vince Skelsa. And my favorite guy was Scott Meany coming at you. Scott Meany. the a little spooky tooth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now from, uh, from England, spooky tooth. It's got me coming at you right now, and it was great voices just coming out of the air, and they played whatever they wanted. Uh, they yeah. didn't have program directors, they didn't have consultants, and people would call in if they got enough requests, they would play a track. So Piano Man got requested all the time. It was a five five and a half minute record. I mean, it's not an AM hit. Right uh, now, amount of time it's right. too long, and it was in three quarter time. <laughs> It's um, a waltz. Right. Papa, um, papa, papa, um, papa. And it's, and it's not really lyrics, they're limericks. John at the bar is a friend of mine. He gets me my drinks for free. He's quick with the joke. I'll light up your smoke with this. Somebody said he'd rather be. Could be one of the girl from Nantucket. <laughs> yeah. So it's still limericks. And, and if anybody said this was going to be a hit record, I'd tell them right out of their minds. But it, it became a turntable hit. So people perceive it to be a sell through. It wasn't. The next album comes out, Street Life Serenade. It's the sophomore jinx. I did not have enough time. To write new material after the Piano Man album came out, Piano Man got made a lot of noise, got a lot of attention paid to it. Record company wanted another follow-up right away. Okay, new album now, but I, I I've been on the road. I haven't had a chance to write. No, need it now. I didn't have any material,
0: and you can hear it. It's so very, what do you do? What do you do when you got nothing? What do you play? I had nothing. I was empty. I was running on empty. But there's um, not nothing on the album. Where'd that come from? Well, I had one
1: song that I thought which was, was? A, okay, The Entertainer, which is that. Uh, another folk song. I am the entertainer. I know just where I stand. Another serenader and another long-haired band. Today I am your champion. I may have won your hearts, but I know the game, you'll forget my name. I won't be here in another year if I don't stay on the chart. I wrote it on a guitar, actually. But that was it. That was probably the one song that I had finished. And then, boom, in the studio, the clock is ticking. So there's two instrumentals on that album, the Root Beer Rag, which is just a piano ragtime thing, and this uh, Erzatz Western movie theme called The Mexican Connection. Because I was living in L.A. I was fascinated with Westerns.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That's it. There's a song actually on the piano man album called The Ballad of Billy the Kid, which is historically completely inaccurate. (laughs) I just used Western-sounding things from, from a town known as Wheeling, West Virginia. He wasn't from Wheeling, West Virginia. He was actually from Brooklyn. Remember a boy with a six-gun in his hand, and then he robbed his way from Utah to Oklahoma. He never got out of New Mexico. <laughs>
0: You're ruining the song for me now. I don't want to know how the sausage is made. East and West. Well the Billy the Kid is fine by me the way it is. Don't screw it up for me.
1: No, but I think it's funny that that it was just Western-sounding things. East and West of the Rio Grande. Well, it can't be East and West because the Rio Grande runs East and West of the Rio Grande. (laughs) God damn it, I know which way the Rio Grande runs. And the crowd poured in to watch the hanging of Billy the Kid. Well, Billy the Kid wasn't hung; he was shot. Of course, we don't know if he was
0: hung. <laughs> okay, now you now you win. Now I hate the song. Okay, I hate it. It's a fraud. What are the songs that came Life? off of Street Life that were <laughs> nothing that were memorable? Nothing. The you thought were pretty
1: is the only one. Uh, there was a song about a hooker that I was in love with. I wanted her to leave her profession and be with me, but she made too much money, and I couldn't afford her. It was called Roberta. What else was on that album? Souvenir, it's a nice song. <laughs> Picture postcard, a folded stub, a program of the play. File away the photographs of your holiday. Your Momentos, and only like another 15 seconds of it. That was a nice song, but it was like this short. And other than that, there's the Mexican Connection, Root Beer Rag. It was okay. And
0: you finish Street Life, and you're in L.A., and then
1: what do you do? I finish Street Life, and it comes out, and it goes, boom, dives right off the charts. The album after that was Turnstiles. I moved back <laughs> to New York. I <laughs> said, I'm going back to New York. Right. This is when, this 19, mid-70s, New York was in the dumps. They were going to sure. default. Forward to New York, drop dead. Fortune New York dropped. I saw that headline, and people in L.A. were like, ha, 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 yeah. ha screw New York. We can't wait till New York goes down the dumps. Yeah. And I said, the hell with that. If New York's going down the tubes, I'm going back. I want to be there for this. And I'm picturing this apocalypse. I actually wrote a song called Miami 2017. Sure. Thinking about the year 2017. I'm an old man. I'm telling my grandchildren. I was there. I saw the lights go out on Broadway. That's the, it's a science fiction song. Seeing the lights go out on Broadway. <laughs> I saw the Empire State laid low. And life went on beyond the Palisades. We all bought Cadillacs and left there long ago. And I, I'm picturing I'm an, I'm an old man in the year 2017. And I'm living in Miami, which I'm closing in there on right now. <laughs> you and be <Epo>. both. <laughs> I'm kind of fulfilling my own prophecy here. Yeah. yeah. So, and the other song, uh, which is. Some folks like to get away Take a holiday from the neighborhood Have a flight to Miami Beach Or to Hollywood I'm taking a Greyhound On the Hudson River Line I'm in the New York state of mind Or we could do it like this. Some folks like to get away
0: Tony, come on, check in. Take a, Take holiday. a holiday from, from the, the neighborhood. neighborhood. Hop, a flight Hop a flight to Miami Beach. All right. of Hollywood. Yeah. I'm taking, taking a the Greyhound.
1: Hound. That's right.
0: Hudson River Line.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in a New York that's it, Tony. state of mind. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) And he recorded it. And that was, I was hoping other people would do that song. But I was back in New York. I was home again. Are you glad you were?
0: I was thrilled. So leaving L.A., it just was meant to be.
1: I even wrote a song, Say Goodbye to Hollywood. Right, exactly. You know,
0: say goodbye to
1: Hollywood. (laughs) Thanks, it's been great, but goodbye. After three years, it went sour on me. When I first moved out, oh, the weather's great, and all the chicks and the palm trees. (laughs) Well, after three years, everybody's full of crap here. I'm a producer. Love what?
0: You know, we all produce gas. We produce something. But I found that for me, I, it was healthier for me to be in an environment where show business was one mountain peak in a range of mountains. Meaning when, you, when you're in New York and I'd be at a party and some kind of uh, real tweedy looking Daniel Moynihan-looking type of guy would be at a party and say to me, and what do you do for a living, young man? Right. he would say to me years ago. I go, well, I work in the movie business. Have you made any films I might have seen? He'd say. Olivia and I don't go to the films very often. And I thought, this is great. Right. a guy who doesn't, I can talk to, who's right. not going to have his hand down my pants. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Rub my neck. Rub, yeah, the, exactly. rub <laughs> my shoulders. Learn to dance with a hand in my pants. Yeah. That's from the entertainer. <laughs> when you go back to New York, the,
1: where do you go? The city? I moved to Highland Falls, which is right up to Hudson. Why? Because we, uh, we weren't ready to move Lock, Stock, and Barrel Who's back we? into the sea. I, I was married at the time, my first ex-one. Sure. Where's she from? From Syosset. Right. And, uh, so she went out there with you and came back with She you. went out there with me and came back with me. And this was, uh, Turnstiles was recorded in New York. I produced it myself, which... You know, in hindsight, it was probably not a good idea. But I, I didn't want people telling me what band to work with, how to do the songs. I wanted to do it my way. Are you glad you did? I'm. I was glad I did at the time because I needed to use my own musicians. Right. I didn't want to use session men. I didn't want to use studio players. I wanted my road band. It was a Long Island band, and we were doing great on the road. We weren't selling any records, but the crowds were going crazy. We were blowing headliners off the stage, the Doobie Brothers. Everywhere we played, the Beach Boys, we would get better applause than the old. This opening. is when Turnstiles came out? Yes. But Turnstiles sold records, didn't it? No. Turnstiles didn't sell anything. You've got to be kidding me. No, no. No hits. New York State of Mind is now perceived to be a hit, but it wasn't a hit. Sake like about oh. Hollywood wasn't a hit. None of the records God, I, love I, love, I love
0: all those songs.
1: But you know them from FM radio. They were still playing those things on FM. Right. Not until The Stranger, which was the next album in 77.
0: And off that comes how many hits? Four. Which were? Just the Way You Are, Moving Out, Only the Good Die Young, and She's Always a Woman. Right, so She's Always a Woman, and Just the Way You Are are love songs.
1: Well, She's Always a Woman is a love song, not perceived as a love song. Well, a, well a love I'm just right. saying, but they're very
0: romantic songs.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd had romantic ballads before that from uh, Cold Spring Harbor, She's Got Away, Piano Man, If I Only Had the Words to Tell You, You're My Home, mm-hmm. and then Turnstiles, Summer Highland Falls, No thematic depression, but about a a relationship. Mm -hmm. But I was writing ballads. uh, I've loved these days uh, uh, about a man and a woman. And then uh, The Stranger, Just the Way You Are, which is just a pure out-and-out love song. She's always a woman, which is kind of a double-edged sword there. Mm
0: -hmm. I'd had ballads before that. Mm -hmm. But did you you find that people started to to buy the ballads, that they, they, they... all that of a sudden, became the most popular song. You could have They not, often do. I d- had
1: no idea it was such a big record. Just the way you are became this monster, like the Beatles. Yeah. So hey, what's after the later. stranger? After the stranger, we started playing coliseums and arenas, the big, big rooms. <laughs> and I went right back on the road again, and I started writing again. Um, uh, Fifty. Did you sec- start writing for bigger rooms. Yes, you did. Yeah, I had to be. I was aware. Now we're playing the big places, yeah. and we got to write bigger. Songs, i got to have bigger Numbers. music. Energy. Yeah. Because you can't play to a coliseum with a, a, a handful of ballads. Yeah. you got to knock them out. Uh, Big Shot was on that album. Zanzibar, Stiletto. It got bigger. It got rounder, fatter. Uh, fuller. Fuller, faster. You know, more
0: high-energy stuff. and Harder, faster, deeper, as they say in the adult film industry. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was it, pretty yeah. much. Went into the triple X. You started going triple X. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Acoustically, and that, that one album of the year, they uh, Stranger actually should have, but I was up against Saturday Night Fever, which nobody was going to touch on a ten foot pole. Everybody even said that. The only
0: reason you got fifty seconds is because we should have given right. Stranger last year. Uh, this was your Color of Money. Uh, yes, exactly. This is, this is Paul Newman getting an Oscar. It's for, all political. It's fine. Yeah. Well, you know how this works. Sure.
1: Right. Yeah, what was after that?
0: Glass Houses was nineteen eighty, and uh, that was pure power pop. Is there ever one you sit there and you really have to strain? I mean, you get it, and you like it, and you love it, and it does well. Is there a song that didn't come easily to you, that you really had to work to, to crack it, so to speak?
1: The whole Nylon Curtain album, which was 1982, the That's... album before it, which was Glass Houses, was just pure fun, playing with the band, got a good guitar player, Had a, just had a blast making the record. The next album, I wanted to write my masterpiece, my Sergeant Pepper, as it were. Right. Instead of writing from the, um, from the inside out, like having starting with a seed of a song, we started with sound, sounds and ideas and thoughts and studio techniques, and we went from the outside in, so it was a whole different technique of creating recordings, and we didn't really know what we had until almost the final mix. What is this thing? We're experimenting with stuff, and it, was, it took a year. It was Were you still producing? No, no, I who had was Phil Ramone? who started so Ramon. with Stranger 1977. Now,
0: when, when you have someone like Ramon, because, we, I mean, again, I, don't, I know nothing about your business except what I see and observe. Like, What is someone like Ramon? What did he do for you? How did he help you? Well,
1: Phil Ramon has a, a background. When he was a kid, he was a, a child prodigy on the violin. He was a violinist. He was from South Africa, actually. He knew music. And now he had years and years in the trenches as an engineer. He he recorded uh, JFK speeches. I think when you see uh, the Marilyn Monroe thing at Madison Square Garden, Happy birthday, Mr. President. That's Phil Ramone. Wow, he was the engineer on those things. I mean, he's with some amazing recordings, but never got credited as a producer. So I who's this guy, Phil Ramone? I keep seeing Phil Ramone, Phil Ramone, Phil Ramone. Paul Simon used him as an engineer, and I said, I want to use, I want to work with this guy because he looks like he knows what he's doing. He knows how to get good sound. He knows how to deal with sonic things, sonic. And when he came in, boom. We knew we had a professional guy. It was like working with another great musician. He knows how to play the studio like we know how to play our instruments. Everything changed. The band just rose to the occasion. Uh, We were having a blast. So
0: like a great producer very often in films, like anywhere, any, any creative enterprise I find, the people that are the most successful and talented producers are the ones who, although they may not be able to do it themselves, they know what you need to do.
1: They yeah. so you know how to help
0: you get to your highest level. They cut
1: to what the synergy should be. They know what the dynamic should be in the studio. Does he come to you and go, don't do that? that yes. It doesn't work. And you listen to him. Yeah, I would listen to him. And we you would tried it his way. We tried it his way. It's mutual respect. Right. When we did just the way you are originally, the drummer was playing like a cha cha. Cha cha cha. Cha cha cha. Cha cha cha. Dunc chunk da dun don't go change one, to cha cha-cha-cha. We hated it. I hated the thing.
0: I hate this song. I hate
1: it. Drummer couldn't figure out what what to play. Phil actually told him, play a backwards samba. Boom. Da-boom. Ba-boom. Cha-boom. Boom. ba to get And it worked. It was like a backwards samba. What are we doing? We didn't know what we were doing. But Phil was right. Uh, I came in with the idea of playing uh, Only the Good Die as a reggae. Come out, Virginia. Don't let me wait. I can't let stop much too late.
0: <laughs> Liberty throws his sticks at me.
1: He goes, why are you doing it? Because the closest you've been to Jamaica is Queens.
0: <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Is changing trains to go down to Seaford. Change at Jamaica. Change at Jamaica. So For the he, train to Spionk. That's it.
1: He said, uh, I'm not playing this. I'm not playing it. What are we going to do? So Phil came up with this shuffle against straight fours. And the uh, the guitars are going banana, banana, bop, bop, banana, and and we were playing it, uh, and it worked. It was like two things jammed into each other. Phil knows how to do that, and when we would get tired or we get discouraged, he'd say, "Just stay, stay a little longer. Try one more. All right, take a break. Let's have some Chinese, okay? Uh, Go back in. The post-Chinese food takes were always good. (laughs) I don't know why that was. Yeah,
0: that MSG man, it gets gets right (laughs) into the fingertips. (laughs) It worked. Yeah. But think he, of where Mozart would have been if they had MSG back then. Oh, wow. He did pretty good. He did pretty right? good, yeah. He 40 did, pretty good. He did He went as far as you could go without MSG, I think. Yes. And then you do Nylon Curtain. That's 82? 82. 82 was the Nylon Curtain. And you said you wanted to be your Sgt. Pepper, and what was it?
1: It was, it's my favorite album. Why? No, I'm, I'm because I could hear all the work that went into it, all the textures, all the layers. What's a
0: song that you're particularly fond of from
1: that? Oh jeez! Every song on that album like, really uh, surprises. That uh, it's very obscure. Don't get excited. Don't say a word. Nobody noticed. Nothing was her, It was committed discreetly. It was handled so neatly, and it shouldn't surprise you. Sets. I'd be lying If I told you that I had no regrets There were so many mistakes But what a difference It makes And now it shouldn't surprise you At all No hits uh, Allentown was kind of a hit Off that album I
0: remember that yeah.
1: Didn't really sell a lot of records Pressure was the big hit sure. I think the, uh... <laughs> Mia's Tchaikovsky Yeah, yeah was that? The, was the one from Swan Lake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> At least you're ripping off the grates. Go, Go after, with those Russians, yeah, man. Go good. with Tchaikovsky. Yeah. Watch out for the Germans, though. What did you do after the uh, Nylon Curtain? Um, after the Nylon
1: Curtain, because it was such an intensive labor, the nylon curtain. Something very dense and very complex. I wanted to do something simple and dumb and happy. Right. And I did An Innocent Man, right. which is really an homage to all the music of my teenage years. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons was Uptown Girl. Right. Uh, and that was a hit. It was a big hit. Big, big hit. It was a joke. Right. It was a- uptown girl. I'm trying to sing like Frankie. Exactly, exactly. Been living in her uptown world. She never had a backstreet
0: guy
1: and he had this impossibly high voice. Never told her why I'm gonna try you And I realized something that I remember the song "Rag doll
0: doll Yeah,
1: and then the verse was. I love you just the way you are. Ooh, uh uh-oh. Is that where I heard that before? Just the way you are. Yeah. And then there was a song, um, I was trying to do Little Anthony and Imperials. Didn't I say shoo up? I wasn't ready for romance. Shoo, shoo, ah. Didn't we promise we would only be friends? Ah, and so we danced, though it was only a slow dance. I started breaking my promises right there. And th- now you'll recognize the, the chorus because it goes like this. This night is mine, it's only you and I. Tomorrow is a long time away. Can last forever. Which is the Pathetique by Beethoven, right. And uh, I gave him, I gave him credit on the back of name L. V. Beethoven. So somebody Billy's <laughs> co-writing with somebody, L. V. Beethoven. It's Beethoven for crying out loud. But that was a fun album. I just I had met Christy I had just gotten divorced from X one, and here I am meeting Whitney Houston. Sure. Uh, when she was a model, uh, Elle McPherson, I'm dating her. I'm dating Christy Brinkley. This is fantastic. I yeah. feel like I'm 16 years old again now. Yeah. Going out it's with going well. Girls, it's all going great. And I'm a rock star. Yeah. I got a pad, at the, the old San Maritz on Central Park South, sure. which is now, the, I think, the Ritz-Carlton. Which is now the Ritz-Carlton. But the elevator would open, and there was my apartment. I was the only apartment on that floor. It was very impressive. So this music was me being a teenager all over again, falling in love, having romance
0: and all that great stuff. So why'd you get married? I don't know. Yeah, Why'd you, why, I was in, was in love. You were asking just, me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I was going to say, well, it's mean, funny because you, you you think to yourself, why get married? It was all going like, so good. We're, we're, but not the getting married means bad, but I'm saying, but, but uh, is that a part of your makeup, which is married, family, was marriage the right thing to do? I was madly in love. And yeah, when you're really like, in love, you marry him. That's it. That's how I feel. But I, I
1: still feel... Like, I can be madly love and not be married.
0: Yes. I was married three times. When did you go to
1: Russia? 87. Right. And how did that happen? Well, we went to, we played in Cuba in 1979. Uh, they did this thing called the Havana Jam. Cubans came up here and we went to Havana. We played at the, the Karl Marx Theater in Havana. <laughs> it looks like Bloomingdale's, it's crypt, the Karl Marx Theater. It looks like a department store. And everybody gets up on stage these other American artist, Stephen Stills. Viva la revolution! Viva Fidel! Chris Christopherson. Viva la revolution! Viva Fidel! And he's talking in Spanish. I get up on stage. I'm in the last act. And I Don't say, take any shit from anybody. <laughs> Yo no hablo espanol. And I went to Big Shot. <laughs> and the kids went, ah! Storm the stage. There you go. They don't want to hear Viva. (laughs) We hear this crap all the time. We want to hear Big Shot. What?
0: I said, we got something going here. We're being subversive with rock and roll. This is what I And they loved you there. They loved it. How did that feel to you? What was the first place you played a big concert at? When you were a star. You're a big music star. You're one of the biggest music stars ever. And you go to a foreign country, and you realize music just transcends all of it. Germany. I think it was in Frankfurt. What year? 77, 78, we'd
1: had a hit with a stranger. And I played in England, and the English, they're kind of fickle. They like you for about a month, and then you're yesterday's papers. Right. Oh, we like that Billy Joel. Billy Joel. And um, they I, actually, I wasn't big there until Uptown Girl, but Germany, we had a couple of hits. And the Germans went berserk. They don't have seats. You're getting a standing ovation when you walk on the stage because they can't sit down. This is great. And it actually changes the energy in the room. They're all standing. Yeah, yeah Billy, Billy. And I'm thinking, oh, dude. I guess they don't know what they did to my family. Yay, yeah, Billy. But I'm thinking, <laughs> so this is how Adolf must have felt. Yeah, yeah. You know, wow. When well, they is love you, they let you know it. Yeah, you're like, okay, let's go invade Poland. Come on, let's go. But there was a great, great audience. You know, they're tearing at your hand like a Detroit heavy metal crowd. Wow. Ripping at my hands and tearing my clothes. This is great. That was the first time in a foreign country where I knew something about How did they, how, the trip to Russia in 87, was that your first time there? It was the first time they'd ever had a major act from the West, America. Uh, people had gone there before but played with small PA systems in little private rooms. We played at the Lenin Stadium, the Olympic <laughs> Stadium. And we brought a, a Western PA system, the same PA system we'd use at Madison Square Garden. They'd never heard a PA system like that. They were scared shitless. You know, the helicopters come in at the beginning of Good Night, and they're looking around for the helicopters. And then the, the hard rock is hitting, and the drums... They started going berserk. There were security guards going around giving people uh, sedatives because they thought they were having uh, fits. The Cold War ended for me right then. This is still when it was... Reagan was calling it the evil empire and I said, we're not going to have a war with these people they can't even get toilet paper right you know we're not <laughs> going to have a, we're not going to fight with them i don't want to fight yeah. them they don't they love yeah. us everywhere yeah. i went viva america long live america this is great cold war ended so i was
0: thrilled that, uh, that went the way it did let me ask you a question you're funny you could have done that with your eyes everything it takes to be an actor you could have done you never wanted to do that never i never was comfortable in front of a camera really yeah, as a matter of fact, even though you had to perform in front of a camera for the last thirty years, basically, yes, uh, make videos, right. which I was tortured. But you were comfortable in front of, a, but you were, but you, I guess to a degree, you were comfortable in front of a camera so long as you were playing. But
1: not did even you stand then, there and be Not, you, not, not even, even that.
0: I was aware of the camera; was it was like it was an invader,
1: It was invasive to me. I became a musician because I never felt I was photogenic. I was never happy with how I looked. It's about a microphone, not about a camera. Right. I was very comfortable in a studio. I'm very comfortable far away on a stage or an album cover. You could make it look however you want. And people would say, oh, you're shorter than I thought. I said, well, the album cover is only this big. How do you know? <laughs> Whenever there was a camera, it kind of destroyed what I was trying to create. It took away the imagination. Uh, you could, I could look however I want. I could look like Cary Grant. But I saw it reduced to an image. I went, no, 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 that's not who I am. Don't look at that guy. I realized I could have done that, but I loved
0: music so much. I, that's the way I went. Some people can do both. Um, Most don't. Well, Bowie didn't do it. Really, really, he tried. Sting didn't do it. No, uh, Jagger didn't do it. Well, then there's the actors. Beatles never did it except as they played the Beatles. But then there's some actors who were originally musicians and they, they now just basically act. Okay. Well, I always say that I've said this: acting is what you do when you have no musical ability. If I could do what you do, I would never do what I that's do. That's what actors say. They want to be ne- musicians. I would never, ever, ever, ever waste five minutes of doing what I do if I could do what you do. That's a lot of actors say. Oh, yeah. Well, but you're so good say. at what you do. No, if I could do what you do. Yeah, if, music is music is I could is sing, everything. if I could play, if I could write. A film or a television program, you have to make an appointment with that and watch that. But right. You can listen to music while you're time. jogging, right. while you're at the gym, True. while you're making love, while you're having dinner, while you're in the car. Mm-hmm. It, it can be the soundtrack to your life. All day long, if you wanted to. In church. In, anywhere. Music right. is everywhere. Music right. is everything. Right. And acting is, like I said, what you do when you have no musical talents. So you got divorced the second time. Yes. And got remarried and divorced a third time. Right. And when you have these things happen, because I know that these, these situations in my life have a big effect on my life, does it affect Do you write songs about that?
1: No. I stopped yeah. writing songs about it when I got divorced the second time. That was in 93 actually 94 the divorce happened the album uh, River Dreams came out and I realized, you know what? I'm spinning out the story of my life to all these strangers. I'm kind of sick and tired of everybody knowing my personal life and how I feel about you this are. one and that one. Did you resent that? I didn't resent it. I just decided to clam up. Right. I feel like I've given away pieces of myself. Sure. Maybe something I should have given to the relationship. Right. I gave to the work. Right. And the work was so important. And it's all consuming. If you're going to do it right, you have to jump in with both feet and do it 100%. Music will do that. It was a very harsh mistress music. You have to do it all, all the way. And maybe I, I didn't do things I should have done, or maybe I didn't take care of business the way I should have taken care of, because of the music. And so I stopped writing songs about my personal relationships, but I, I kept writing music. And after the third marriage w- uh, didn't work, I tried marriage. It's you know Three times. I tried mm-hmm. it three times.
0: I never gave up on it. I just realized this, this just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't work. Right. People don't appreciate how it's like, for to have a relationship in this business that works, you got to be really lucky, man. It's got to be so—it's so much luck, you know. Because, like you said, the career is the mistress, and you're out there working. Like, like I would look at my ex-wife or ex-girlfriends, and I think, what would the alternative be? You want me to have no options and no work, and I'm staying home all the time? Yeah, but on the other hand, how much of you are
1: they getting if you're in a part? You take on the role; it, it doesn't come off at five o'clock in the afternoon when work most people leave their jobs. You have to be that character through the whole project. Now, when I'm writing, I mean, I've got to stay in harness. I've got to be that songwriter guy. I'm preoccupied. Maybe I should change that to a B-flat. You know, that quarterback, I don't know. I'm obsessed with it. I wonder how much of me they're not getting
0: because of that. I don't know if you, if you were like that when you're doing a part. I, I mean, find that in s- film, it's different because you don't really have a chance unless you work with a tremendously... Uh, intense group of people I- I've never gotten close to that in film uh, film is o- always in pieces right you know, right. Like, you know you're, you're in your room it's not linear it's not it's not like a play when I've done now when I've done plays it's different when you do it well you can sit back and you light up a cigarette and you're like well 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 and we nailed that way I just just write it down in the books <laughs> there it is we've done it again right. you really feel some satisfaction yeah Do you feel that way when you uh, perform when we perform we got you idea. a show we do a show. Do you come off stage after a show and you sit there and go, well, there it is. Uh, that was a good Ladies one. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Joe then his ensemble.
1: <laughs> They'll be talking about this for a, for a while, for a few days. Um, yes. And for the annals. But we also know when we stuck.
0: Right. We come over and go, oh, That's. Yeah, right. Oh, we were oh, terrible. Please don't remember that one. <laughs> right, right. Why did they applaud? You know, we. Last we, play we, at Shea. Yeah. Do you think you did well? Yeah, that was
1: good. <laughs> they were both good shows. The the ah. du- last double play at We didn't do nights. Yeah. Uh, yes, that was exhilarating. I, I, it was a hometown crowd, and um, it, it just it was exhilarating. It, it, we were on stage for three and a half hours, and if, I didn't realize how hot it was and was sweating. I'm watching the movie yeah. of me on stage. Somebody give that guy a towel. Yeah, it was hot. I was he's like soaking. Ugh, he's so wet and slimy. Wipe him off, and. Um, it, but it, it, we were having such a good time. We, we, we walked off, and for weeks after, we were kind of amping from it. New York loves you. I know. I know. And I love New York. That's why I live here. I love you. But I put away the recording part of my career, and I put away, for the time being, performing.
0: What's that music? That's my f- telephone. Is it a phone? Yeah. Yeah. You hear it? It's a the man, Godfather. It's, like, it's, it's the theme from the Godfather. Oh, it, that's interesting. That's perfect. The theme from The Godfather is your ringtone on your phone? Yes. That's amazing. Well, they i got to think about what my ringtone should be. I that's the guys
1: ringtone. on the road. Call me God, Godfather. Um,
0: why do you come to me?
1: Bonasera. Bonasera.
0: Sarah. Bonasera. Sarah. Bonas Sarah. What have I ever done why, why do you, hurt you to me? disrespect me this why way? Do you hurt me? You never invite me to your I house for, for a cup coffee. of coffee. Do you appreciate who you are? People Ooh. love you. They adore you, and they love you your talent you are so talented you are so like it makes me want to choke up how talented you are do you know you are
1: i know i have a talent (laughs) for music i don't think i'm all that good i i think i have a good uh, perspective on it i can separate the star stuff from the musician stuff right uh the music is really
0: important they have to to stay separate don't they
1: well, one is a job, and and one is a life. Yeah. The job thing I can take off at five o'clock in the afternoon. The rock star thing I go I go shopping, I cook my own food, I wash the dishes, I take out the garbage. I, I know who that guy is, and that that's and the music has has nothing to do with money or career or it's just it's just part of me. It's like love, music, love, food, friendship. Uh, my daughter, you know, all these great things. How's your daughter and, doing? She's great. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I know how to take the, 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 the job hat off and, uh, and just kind of be the normal. Uh, I've learned how to do it. It took a long time to separate them out, okay? I can be a musician and not be a, a, a rock star. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to convince people, no, I'm not a rock star. But no, yes, you are. You are a rock star. You are a star. Say, oh, okay, fine. But a lot of that is, it has a job aspect to it. I work very hard at, what, uh, at writing because that's my deepest love. I think that's really where I belong. The rock star thing, I've never really been comfortable with because I don't think I look like a rock star. I didn't really set out to be a rock star. I became a rock star serendipitously. You became a rock star
0: in spite of yourself. In spite of myself. In spite of yourself, which is hysterical. As hard to me. As, you, as much as you tried to kill it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean I don't put that camera too close to me. I, exactly. Uh, I don't want to make a good
1: video. Let me make a bad video because let me. I just want to get out of here. Yeah. I don't want to be in a photo session. I hate taking pictures. I don't want to go to this opening. I don't want to go to that schmooze fest. I just didn't do any of
0: that stuff. But um, uh, I'm comfortable with it now. Billy Joel says he doesn't look back on his life that much. Last year, he decided not to publish his long-awaited memoir entitled The Book of Joel. He said instead, quote, The best expression of my life and its ups and downs has been and remains my music, unquote. What's a song that you think to yourself, you know, I really still enjoy hearing that song. It doesn't have to be a hit. What's one you dislike that you haven't played, that you really, really the, like? There's the really... Ones I,
1: I, I've been doing master classes at colleges, and I get to play all these obscure songs that I never played over the 30, 40 years I've been playing. I played one the other night, and I said, well, I really, wow, that's a really good song. Uh, there's no rhyme. Uh, there, it don't, not until the very end is when rhyme comes in, but the lyrics work. It's from The Nylon Curtain, and it's called Where's the Orchestra. Where's the orchestra? Wasn't this supposed to be a musical? There I am in the balcony. How the hell could I have missed the overture? I like the scenery Even though I have absolutely no idea at all What is being said despite the dialogue Who never faced an audience Where's the orchestra? After all, this is my big night on the town My introduction to the theater crowd I assumed that a show would have a song So I was wrong, at least I understand all the innuendo and the irony, and I appreciate the roles the actors played, the point the author made, and I Falls, the curtain falls on empty chairs, where the orchestra.
0: You're the king. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No, really. You're the king, man. Thank Thank you, you. Thank you for coming. Thanks, man. Here's the Thing is produced by WNYC Radio.